The tide may be turning against the Biden administration as photos emerge from so-called migrant detention facilities. So how much longer can the White House continue to blame the Trump administration for what is obviously an issue that the Biden administration created? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. We knew that it was gonna keep getting worse. In fact, we told you here the situation on the border would continue to get worse because we understand the incentive structure that's in place for the migrants, for the cartels, and yes, for the Democrat Party. We know what's going to happen because we understand the parties involved and what they want to get out of this. None of them want this to stop entirely. The Democrats just want to prevent this from spiraling so far out of control that we have images to show, footage of what these detention facilities look like, and you are seeing them now. This isn't a time of a global pandemic, by the way. That seems like there's not a lot of social distancing going on there, is there? But this is the situation we find ourselves in because the Biden administration came into office and just that very reality created a widespread perception among illegal immigrants in places like Central America that if they come here, they have a very good shot of just skipping the whole immigration process and staying in America forever. And that's a very valuable thing. Now, at first, the Democrats were trying to, and the Biden administration specifically, trying to tell us it wasn't a crisis. And we know it actually is a crisis. So that's starting to just get pathetic and obvious in a way that won't hold water anymore. But what about why this is happening? What is the cause of the current crisis? When you dig into that for a moment, you see very clearly that everybody who's involved knows it's Joe Biden. Here is Martha Raddatz over at, uh, I think, ABC, I get those networks confused, sitting or talking to, she's standing up, talking to a migrant about what's going on, why did you arrive? Here's what the migrant said. Would you have tried to do this when Donald Trump was president? Definitely not, definitely. We had the chance, you know, the, the same violence that is going on today was there last year. We used to watch the, the news and, uh, I definitely won't do this. So did you come here because Joe Biden was elected president? Basically, basically. Yeah. Would you come here when Trump? No, of course not. There was still the same situation in that man's home country, but he wouldn't have come here in the Trump administration because the perception was, understandably, that there was a less, uh, there was a lesser chance of being able to stay in the country permanently. Would you do this? Uh, did you do this now because Joe Biden is president? Basically, yeah. That's what the guy says. Basically, yes. How many more times do we have to hear this before it's absurd and actually insults our intelligence when Biden and the other Democrats pretend that this has nothing to do with the fact that you have a new Democrat administration with a president who at one point raised his hand on stage during the presidential debate saying that illegal immigrants should get free health care in America? Okay. As if that's not an inducement in and of itself. Uh, I mentioned before to you the situation in these facilities, which now the, the footage makes it all quite clear, is dire. I mean, it's bad. These are people who are being held in very close quarters. You see here, we're at a time of COVID, so this is particularly uh, dangerous. You know, we, we know that if this were a different circumstance and there were photos of people in, this, in close quarters, I mean, look at this, in close quarters like this, we also know that there is a, high, a, a pretty high percentage of some of the migrants tested have had COVID or, or are positive with COVID. This is a real concern. 
And the White House has got to deal with this too. So here's what uh, Jen Psaki says about it. What is his concern about this being a super spreader event where you've got 400 uh, uh, kids stuffed into a pod built for 260? These kids are tested. Uh, if they need to be quarantined, they are quarantined. We also follow CDC guidelines to ensure that they are kept safe. One of the reasons that it took us some time to uh, have some of these facilities or some of the shelters open to larger groups of kids is because we wanted to follow those CDC guidelines. So we certainly don't see it through that prism. We actually took the steps we did to keep these kids. Yes, just the CDC guidelines, of course. I wonder if they're double masking all these kids, because as we know, that's what Dr. Fauci, as of two months ago, says is the smartest thing you can do for this. I'm guessing not. But nonetheless, two sets of rules, as we know, two different approaches to all of this, depending on which administration is in charge. And that's really where this all comes down. Now, that's where you see the Democrats, their final act here. And, and this, or I should say their last ditch effort, because they've been doing this all along. But now they've really started to lay into as we see how bad this is, as we see what a, a catastrophe this is, two months in the Biden presidency, oh, that's right, it's the Trump administration's fault. Here's the DHS secretary making that case. We are executing uh, on our plan. It does take time. It is difficult. Uh, our plan includes the deployment of the Federal Emergency Management Administration, FEMA, to assist HHS in building its capacity more rapidly to shelter the children, but it is taking time and it is difficult because the entire system was dismantled by the prior administration. There was a system in place in both Republican and Democratic administrations that was torn down uh, during the Trump administration, and that is why the challenge is more acute than it ever has been before. That is a deeply dishonest rewriting of history at our southern border from Mayorkas, which shouldn't surprise you at all, but I just wanted to be very clear about that. The Trump administration had to make changes because the immigration system that it inherited had a massive loophole for people claiming asylum, if, especially if they showed up with an unaccompanied minor uh, in the, you know, next to them. There was a, a huge problem the Trump administration had to focus on and fix. They fixed that issue because if you view the problem as people skipping the immigration process and flooding to our border, coming in illegally and then trying to stay by gaming the asylum process, fixing it means stopping them from wanting to do that. The Democrats, on the other hand, play this game where they say, no, the problem is really just that people who are coming to do that aren't being processed fast enough, so they're filling up these facilities. That's a different look at this problem. That's a different way of approaching all of this, but there's no surprise they are blaming Trump and pretending that when he fixed a problem, he is now the cause of their problem. When if you want to talk about dismantling the ending of Remain in Mexico policy, the, uh, the change in tone about interior enforcement, about deportations, all the things, it just it's obvious Biden looks like an open borders guy when he talks about this stuff. When he was running on the campaign trail, it was obvious. People watching could see. Uh, then there's also the fact that you're, you watching this right now, you're paying with your tax dollars for uh, hotel rooms for illegal aliens. So that's right, ho hotel rooms. They're gonna spend $80 million plus to secure hotel rooms for migrant families now to Southern border. So you're paying for their healthcare, their food, their schooling, and, and the, the hotel rooms now that they're going to be uh, living in.
So that's, that's how much the Biden administration believes in, uh, in law and order and a secure border. There you go. We'll have more on the continued chaos on the southern border with the host of I'm Right here on the first TV, Jesse Kelly. That's going to be a great conversation. Always is. Stay around. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you know you didn't have the time to start on your own? I felt exactly the same way as you until about a year ago. I've always loved the idea of real estate investment, but I didn't know how to invest in real estate while staying committed to my profession, right? I'm doing hours and hours a day of radio and TV, and like you, I'm really busy. You got your job, you got your kids, your family to take care of. How are you ever going to take that first step to invest intelligently in real estate on your own with no experience? Well, I met my friends at Dunfree Real Estate about a year ago, and it was a game changer. They took all of the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an amazing property. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me, and now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For You Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Visit Done For You Buck to see how it works. I'm talking about the whole process, picking the city you want to invest in, the house you want to buy, getting the tenant in, all of it. That's doneforyoubuck.com. One more time, to start your real estate investment journey, all you have to do is go to doneforyoubuck.com. Vice President Harris and I and our entire administration will always be honest and transparent with you about both the good news and the bad. We will level with you when we make a mistake. We'll straight up say what happened. The day after his inauguration, President Biden made a promise to the American people that his administration will remain transparent and honest. Seems like that didn't last very long, did it? In recent weeks, journalists have flocked to the southern border to cover the overwhelmingly clear crisis there. But the news media has been met with resistance and bogus restrictions, with one Getty Images correspondent tweeting, quote, I respectfully ask U.S. Customs and Border Protection to stop blocking media access to their border operations. I have photographed CBP under Bush, Obama, and Trump, but now zero access is granted to media. Sounds reminiscent of media blackouts in uh, communist countries, right? A little Soviet, doesn't it? Here to weigh in is our friend Jesse Kelly, host of I'm Right with none other than Jesse Kelly here on The First TV. Jesse, uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this that that come to mind right away. I I just want to throw one out at you. Um, This is actually what Biden voters voted for. And I think everybody should understand that, that that this is is what they voted for and they're getting it. Buck, once again, you and I are in agreement on, on the most obvious thing in the world. Why is anybody shocked? I've been screaming about this for two weeks now. People are, I can't believe this is happening. How could this happen? If you have the brain of an amoeba, you know that when you go on national television, as Democrats always do, and talk about how nice you're going to treat the illegals if you get in charge, that when you get in charge, the illegals who watch TV too, they're going to run to the border. And when they get to the border, you have to do something with them. You have to house them in things. You have to ship them someplace. That's what you have to do. Why is any of this shocking? Anyone could have seen this coming. I also think that we've had to accept a shift. I mean, you see here uh, some of the, the footage, and I, I have to be, I'm reminded of being on uh, Bill Maher's show, Jesse, and I think it was August of 2019, and the former governor of, of Michigan, Jennifer Granholm, just started, we we're talking about the border and healthcare and healthcare for illegal, illegal immigrants. And she started just shouting into my face on TV, kids in cages, kids in cages. And that was like the argument ender for them. 
It was, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm not allowed to have an opinion about anything else because you're, set, you're yelling kids in cages. I mean, they can call them, you know, uh, temporary holding areas for unaccompanied youth or whatever, but those look like kids and those look like cages, at least based on what they were saying before. Am I missing something? No, you're not missing anything. And, and look, I, I should note that I'm very pro kids in cages. I'm very pro illegal immigrants in cages. This is called the real world. When people get to your border, you have to hold them someplace. You can't just let them out on the road. You have to hold them and process them. And during that holding process, you're gonna have to keep them in some sort of contained environment. I don't even know why we have to shy about that. In fact, I've, I've got on record, I think we should pack 30 of them in one of these small ones and just take a picture and then let them out. I don't wanna treat people poorly but and then send that picture all over the internet and tell all the illegals in the world this is how poorly you'll be treated if you come here so then they'll stop coming our problem is we're saying two different things buck when we're, they're we're asked also, about the problem at the border jen Psaki will stand up and say something like well we're giving them great health care and medical care and the kids are well taken care of that's inviting more people tell Je people how bad you're treating them there are people jesse in new york city i'm in new york i know you're down in houston texas there are people in New York City right now who have not had kids doing in-person learning for, for a year now. We've, we've now gone on a year of, if you're a public school student here, you, there's a very good chance you've had no in-person learning for 12 months for your, your eight-year-old, your 10-year-old. Kids at the border who are being held by the, they're getting in-person instruction. And there's also all these facilities where people are in close congregate settings. I mean, it seems like there's two sets of rules. I mean, we know there's two, there's more than two sets of rules, actually. There are two sets of rules. We just gave ICE $86 million to put these illegal immigrants up in hotels. And in case anyone wants to do the math, that's over $300 a night. So I don't know where we're putting these guys up. I don't know why they have to go to the Marriott. They're getting turned loose in cities like Yuma, Arizona, and cities across Texas. And when I say turn loose, Buck, I want people to understand they're dropping them at bus stops. They're dropping them in Chicago. They're just dropping them off and giving them a court date and saying, well, we'll see you in a couple years, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They're just turning these people loose because nobody wants to just be an adult and say, turn around and go back home. It's stunning to watch it. You, you have a James O'Keefe over at Project Veritas pointing out that Twitter is now putting a sensitive content warning on the photos. You can see here, uh, Twitter censoring Project Veritas, new video showing never before seen photos inside a Donna, Texas immigrant detention center as sensitive content. Jesse, uh, I think the Democrats, the, the real reason they are concerned here, because I don't believe that they have any problem with, if it were 100,000 illegal crossings a month for the next 12 months, they don't, that's fine. I don't think they actually have any issue. The problem they have is that people, because of the system, are seeing what's going on. So for as far as I can tell, the issue that Biden administration has is that people are getting wise to what's actually happening. Otherwise, they wouldn't mind, which is why they're trying to clamp down on information and photos and visits from the journos out there who we know are in the back pocket of the Biden administration anyway. Oh, of course they wouldn't mind. It goes way beyond wouldn't mind. It's what they want. I, I, this is, people get stuck in this old way of thinking because they don't want to accept where we are as a country right now. Joe Biden, let's set Joe Biden aside. We all know he's not deciding anything. The lifelong academics and Democrat operatives who are in Joe Biden's administration hate the United States of America. This is not the party of JFK. This is not even the party of Bill Clinton. These people think America is an evil, racist, sexist country that frankly deserves to be brought to its knees. 
And if you tell these people you're importing mass amounts of poverty, you're importing people at such levels that they won't be able to assimilate into America, this will crush the school system, this crushes hospital systems all the time because they use it like personal doctors. You tell that to these people and it won't seem like it's making a dent because in your mind you're making a good point, but in their mind they're thinking, well, yeah, America deserves that. Of course, we should become the world's open sewer. That's what they believe. This, this I think, is the fundamental disconnect, and people need to understand this now across the country, that Democrats have no problem with illegal immigration per se. They actually view it as to their benefit politically, and they view it as the ethical, moral thing to do. They just put up a facade. This is why you have the DHS chief, Mayorkas, saying, we're, we're sending people back. Why? I want someone in the press to say, why are you sending them back? I, th I thought these are people fleeing violence and terrible oppression, and you don't care about kids drowning in the river unless you take them in right away. Why are you sending anyone back then? I, you know, th they can't have it both ways, Jesse. It can't be a moral imperative to open the doors and process hundreds of thousands of people at a time, but also they want, they want a pat on the back for sending people away, which, by the way, they're not really doing. It's a small percentage that are actually not in family units, and not unaccompanied uh, or, or not unaccompanied minors that are showing up right now. No, yeah, of course, you're right. The hypocrisy is rank with it. But then again, as you well know, Buck, you talk about it all the time. These pointing out their hypocrisy doesn't make these people budge at all. In their minds, communism's a religion. They, they are adherents to the religion, and if you don't, then you're a heretic. So, of course, I get different rules than you get. You don't believe in God. I do believe in God. You deserve to be burned at the stake. I can do whatever I want because I'm in the in club. That's that's what they believe. And that, I don't know where this resolves itself or how this resolves itself, but because this doesn't stop until they go on TV and forcefully tell people, you're not allowed to come here at all. We'll turn around and send you home. And I don't think they have the political clout to say that. I don't think they're willing to say it either. They've been making the case that this is the moral and ethical thing to do, violating our laws, creating lawlessness and all the problems we see at our border. But this is what they say. Everyone should check out Jesse's show. It's coming up in just a bit. Jesse Kelly, everybody. Jesse, thanks, man. Yeah, bud. Miami Beach declaring a state of emergency as thousands of spring breakers packed the streets and clashed with police as well as each other. We've got more on the anarchy in South Florida Resort City in tonight's Buck Brief. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. The government's passing massive spending bills, the Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency, and many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. What could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now. Learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Give them a call right now, 833-600-GOLD. One more time, 833-600-G-O-L-D. Mayhem in Miami Beach. Thousands of spring breakers descended upon the resort city in South Florida 
leading to several nights of anarchy in the streets. The situation's grown so out of control that police have been brought in for two nights in a row to disperse the unruly crowds. Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gelber has declared a state of emergency and set a citywide curfew of 8 p.m. While it's fairly obvious why the local government has taken steps to curb the disorder, the national media has had one thing on their mind, COVID-19. Of course, it's Florida, must be a super spreader event. Wait a second, what's going on here? We'll take a closer look in tonight's Buck Brief. There's a lot of crazy stuff that has been happening in recent days on the streets of Miami Beach in restaurants, uh, in, in bars. Uh, there's a lot of fighting, a lot of violence, hundreds and hundreds of arrests. People have been shot, people have been stabbed, weapons have been taken off of individuals who should not have been in possession of them. You can see there's, there's been a bit of, of madness uh, going on down there. And yet the focus when it comes to all this, you see that, that right there is, is some of the seen from the weekend, the focus has been on how, well, this is Florida, therefore it's not the unruly actions of people who are engaged in criminal activity, large numbers of people engaged in criminal activity, it's actually the threat of COVID that we are now going to be talking about because Florida is a COVID problem, you see, that's what they want you to believe. Here's uh, White House Senior Advisor Andy Slavitt telling you that's exactly the problem. There was a second question, which I think is for Dr. Walensky, which is, uh, I believe, commenting on travel and the uptick of tra in travel. And, um, and I think there was a uh, part of that question was, you know, what about the vaccinated people that are traveling? I don't think what I saw down in Miami, it didn't look like a whole bunch of vaccinated people, but I could be wrong. A whole bunch of vaccinated people. I mean, he's saying they're young. I, so I assume that most of them probably would not be vaccinated either. So that's, that's the, the focus of all of this. But you could say, well, hold on. Is it then the people when anti-lockdown protesters, for example, were getting together at the beginning of the pandemic, they were bad people for doing that. When people gather for spring break in Florida and there's violence and anarchy in the streets, somehow that's not the story. The story is it's Ron DeSantis's fault for allowing people to gather when that's been the case now for basically a year in Miami and things have been fine, we haven't seen this before. Uh, no, it's, it's DeSantis's fault, they say. This is over at MSNBC. It's a combination of factors that's led to this. And this is not the first time in the pandemic we've been having this type of conversation. It's a combination of, I think, college presidents across the country missed an opportunity to clearly tell their students to not travel that we just have a few more months here, please don't travel. And to say that clearly, I think that message was not delivered. Number two, you're seeing governors like Governor Ron DeSantis yet again enable bad behavior. He's providing an environment and cover for people to come down to Miami Beach and he's encouraging it. The bad behavior, and this is the, this is the critical point, the bad behavior is fights and shootings and rob robbery and destruction of property and that's the bad behavior here. The gathering outside is, is way secondary to what has actually been happening, which is criminal behavior, which is why th th there was even some effort in the media to report on the shutdown and the curfew as though it's a COVID regulation. It's not a COVID regulation. 
It's a people. Here, here's some footage from inside of a restaurant. This went viral over the weekend. People, viral over the weekend. People are, are fighting and attacking and attacking each other in the streets. And I, I do worry that this is a little bit of a preview of, of what's to come as we do open up a little bit more from people who have been through a lot of emotional challenge during this period, un- understandably so. And there may be some acting out. There may be, there may be folks who decide that they, uh, they have angst that is going to express itself through criminal activity. I do think that's a, a major challenge. That will be a major challenge for us. But for the media, the big challenge is to find a way to trash Republicans for this. Pretty amazing. Uh, Fernand Amandi, who's an MSNBC contributor, never heard of this guy before in my life, shared an image. Today's center of COVIDiots universe, of the COVIDiots universe, is Miami Beach, Florida. See, the problem isn't the violence, the shootings, the assaults. The problem is COVID gathering, they want to tell you. Okay, the problem with this photo is that it's from 2019. That's right. This photo of Miami Beach is from before there even was a pandemic. So you want to talk about fake news. By the way, is this, I assume this, this tweet's probably still up. I, I, I would bet Twitter hasn't pulled it down. This doesn't uh, upset anybody over there. Joy Reid got her own show over at MSNBC. You'll recall she was the one who said that they hacked into her blog 10 years ago to say the racist or homophobic things, homophobic things that she said. Uh, she said literally looks like a microscopic image of a Petri dish. And Jason Johnson, another MSNBC contributor, shared the same photo. This is why schools won't open this fall. That's right. 2019, before the pandemic, people were gathering on the beach in Miami. And very smart folks over at MSNBC want you to know that's why schools won't be open this fall. Just remember who's out there in the news business, who you're getting your news from. A lot of folks are very unimpressive. Thousands of children are being crammed into jail-like conditions at the southern border. Is this the compassionate approach we were promised by the Biden administration? we got the Center for Immigration Studies, Art Arthur, joining us to dive into the details right after the break. Children uh, presenting at our border who are fleeing violence, who are fleeing prosecution, who are fleeing terrible situations is not a crisis. Uh, We feel that uh, it is our responsibility to humanely approach uh, this circumstance and make sure they are treated with uh, treated and put in conditions that are safe. These photos show what we've long been saying, which is that the these border patrol facilities are not places made for children. Uh, they are not places that we want children to be staying for a extended period of time. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki earlier today still refusing to call the situation at the cri- at the border a crisis even after these images leaked from inside a temporary CBP migrant shelter that gave the public a sobering glimpse of the current conditions. The recent numbers are staggering. Officials are now encountering close to 600 unaccompanied minors every single day. And Axios is reporting that as of Saturday, more than 800 children have been held by Border Patrol for more than 10 days. Our next guest says it's time to focus on the kids and, more importantly, prosecuting their parents if they paid their smugglers. Wow. Resident fellow in law and policy at Center for Immigration Studies, Art Arthur, joins us now. Art, thanks for joining. In your recent op-ed, you wrote that, quote, older unaccompanied alien children may, and I stress may, have decided on their own to hire a smuggler to bring them to the United States, but some 25% of UACs are younger than 15 and likely did not pay for their journey to the United States. That means someone had to Usually that is their, the UAC, unaccompanied child's family, and in particular their parents, 
Explain to us what, what you mean here. What's going on? Well, Buck, uh, when you're talking about uh, younger kids, when you're talking about kids 15 and younger, certainly, they didn't make the choice to come to the United States by themselves, and they certainly didn't pay their smugglers. Somebody had to. Back in February of 2017, then Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly noted the fact that about 60% of the, I think, 115,000 children that they had seen enter the United States in the three years previous had been placed with their parents in the United States after entering this country illegally. That suggests that those parents actually paid the smuggler to bring the kids to the United States. And uh, if you you know think about it, the United States is completing the smuggling conspiracy by delivering those children to the parents. That's a huge problem. Judge Andrew Hannon back in December 2013 noted that he was sentencing uh, the fourth smuggler in as many weeks uh, for smuggling a child over the border and that each of those children had been delivered to their parents. And he questioned why those parents weren't uh, being prosecuted for participating in those smuggling uh, operations. It's important to note, Buck, that those children go through hellish conditions on their way to the United States. It would be like me, you know, finding uh, anybody on the street corner in Baltimore City, giving them my kid and paying them $7,000 to deliver my child to San Francisco. I have no idea what sort of situation my child would be under. That's the definition of parental neglect. And quite frankly, when you assist in smuggling, it's a felony in the United States. So it's high time that the government think about prosecuting those parents. Now, Art, there's, there's a constant refrain from senior administration officials during this uh, crisis, including DHS Secretary Mayorkas, that they are, they're turning people away. They're always telling us they're turning people away, and then it gets very, very hazy, very murky on the specifics of who and in what percentage. From what we know right now, if a family unit, husband, wife, daughter, or son, doesn't matter, right? Husband, wife, child, shows up at the border, what are the chances they're going to be released into the interior of the United States right now? Well, according to Axios reporting from over the weekend, it's better than uh, half. About 58% of all family units, that's adults traveling with children, are actually admitted into the United States, and the Biden administration has a policy to release them in 72 hours. Here's the problem with that. Back in April 2019, a bipartisan panel report of the Homeland Security Advisory Committee, it's important to note that's bipartisan, there were some pretty significant Democrats on that panel, said that that was the uh, major pull factor that was encouraging families to come to the United States. Not poverty, not violence, not anything else, but the fact that they knew that if they could get to the United States, that they were going to be released into this country. And here's the problem with that. About two-thirds of all migrants are subject to violence on their way to the United States. About uh, just less than one-third of all female migrants are uh, sexually assaulted. The children suffer hellacious traumas on their way to this country. But this policy, this 72-hour release policy for family units that the Biden administration has implemented is going to encourage even more people to grab their kids and bring them to the United States. Again, those kids are pawns in the uh, words of that bipartisan report from back in April 2019. They're not making the choice to come here. Their parents are subjecting them to those horrors. And the Biden administration, unfortunately, through its policies, is encouraging them to do so. How, how are they differentiating between... You know, why would one family unit of three, let's say, get to stay versus another get turned back? Is it just, 
Is it likely it's, it's how well rehearsed they are on the, on the asylum story they tell? What's the difference? No, the major issue is the fact that uh, the Mexican state of Tomalipas, which is a major border state, has refused to accept bad family units of uh, non-Mexican nationals. So for that reason, everybody is rushing to the Rio Grande Valley uh, in order to get into the United States. That's what the Biden administration is asking for. I think it's $86 million for hotel rooms for a six-month period to keep those families in. I mean, think about that. Right now, the uh, Biden administration, rather than using family uh, residential centers to detain people so they can apply for asylum in the United States, get due process, are using those family residential centers, uh, which have schools and cafeterias and healthcare and everything else you can imagine, to quickly process uh, families out of custody and release them to the United States. So that 42% that gets sent back is probably going to be a whole lot higher. Uh, in the month of March, in the month of April, in the month of May, because the Mexican government knows they don't have to take those people back, and there's nothing that the Biden administration is going to do that's going to make them do so. But, but so what? What's the, what turns into the difference between a family unit that's allowed to? You know, what's the separation between the family unit that's allowed to stay in the U.S. versus the one that gets turned away? Uh, generally, it's where they enter the United States. So if it's a Mexican state that's not going to take them back, they're not going to get returned. But again, if they have family in the United States, if they have um, you know, a good asylum claim, I put that in air quotes, then the Biden administration is gonna be much more likely to let them stay in the United States than the ones that they're turning back. And again, Buck, it's important to note that the uh, policy that they're using to turn them back is CDC Title 42 pandemic uh, ex, uh, expulsion policies, not a decision by the Biden administration to turn those folks around. So basically, the Biden administration is still relying on the Trump administration's law to turn around even that 42 percent. But again, I think that number is going to get a whole lot lower uh, of people who are turned back a whole lot quicker. And if that's the case, Art, that seems very likely that the number of those showing up at the border over the next 90 days is just going to keep getting larger and larger. That's exactly what that April 2019 bipartisan uh, panel found. And keep in mind, one of the people on that panel was Leon Fresco. Those of you who don't know Mr. Fresco, he was the head of the Office of Immigration Litigation at DOJ under the Obama-Biden administration. He was President Obama's chief immigration lawyer within the Department of Justice. This isn't, you know, the Art Arthurs of the world or anyone else saying this. These are high-level people who are acting on a bipartisan basis to identify this as a significant weakness that is harming, harming the migrants themselves and especially those migrant children. Is it fair to say the border is from the perspective of illegal crossing and lawlessness in the worst place it's been in 20 years? Absolutely. I've, and again, I've been doing immigration since 1992. I can never remember a time that it's been like this. One thing to keep in mind, Buck, is before 2011, almost all people who were apprehended by Border Patrol entering illegally were single adult males, and they were almost exclusively from Mexico. 90% single adult males, 90% from Mexico. When we see these huge influxes of family units, we see pictures like the ones that you just showed. When we see a lot of unaccompanied alien children, we see situations where children are sitting in border patrol stations which were built in the 80s and 90s to accommodate single adult males from mexico not children not families 
that's where the problem come in, comes in. And that's why we need to reduce the number of families and children who are coming to this country, because we just don't have the resources to handle them. Art Arthur, good to see you, sir. Thanks for sharing your expertise. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, sir. It's great seeing you, bud. Senator Rand Paul continues to school Dr. Anthony Fauci on the security theater, uh, security theater of mask mandates. That story and more coming up in tonight's Quick Hits. You never thought COVID-19 could cost you your home, right? Well, it just might because cybercrime's up about 75%. And by far the most serious cybercrime to worry about when it comes to your home is home title theft. That's right, cyber criminals, foreign and domestic, are now after our homes, and it's easier than you'd think. The title documents to our homes are online now. The thief finds your home's title and forges your signature on a quitclaim deed stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans on your home and leaves you in debt. You won't know until late payment or eviction notices arrive. Insurance doesn't cover you, and neither do common identity theft programs. That's why I protect my home with Home Title Lock. The instant Home Title Lock detects someone tampering with my home's title, they shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address now to see if you're already a victim of this crime and don't even know it. Then use code RADIO to receive 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO once you go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Dr. Paul schools Dr. Fauci and Krispy Kreme Donuts is doing its part to promote the COVID vaccine. We got those stories in quick hits. Let's get right to it. If you watch this show, you know that I am a longtime outspoken critic of the tiny totalitarian known as Dr. Anthony Fauci. I think he's a Democrat. I think he's a partisan. I think he plays the political game very well. He's a bureaucrat, much more than he is even a man of science or a doctor. And he's been very harmful to the United States because he has been the excuse to shut down worthwhile policy discussion. I think he likes the power that he's had during all this. All of those things I've been very consistent on. And one area where you see him acting in a way that if you were really basing it on the numbers or the numbers, as Fauci says, uh, you would think it's absurd that he, who has already been fully vaccinated against this virus, goes out wearing not one, two masks. Dr. Rand Paul, also a senator, but an MD worth noting, asked him about this. And, and in the exchange, you see that Fauci doesn't like to be questioned about his absurd COVID virtue signaling. What Fauci won't tell you is that he's telling you a noble lie. He's lying to you because he doesn't think we're smart enough to make decisions. His fear is that if the vaccinated quit wearing the mask, the unvaccinated will say, what the hell, I'm not wearing a mask either. Right. So he lies to you to say, oh, the mask makes a difference, when in reality he knows better. He's wearing two masks for theater. It's complete theater. He is immune. He knows he's not going to get it, but he is not being honest with the American public. Fauci, to just review here, says that he initially lied to us at the beginning of the pandemic a year ago about how effective masks are because he didn't want us to take all the good masks from the healthcare providers. So he's already on the record. That, that's his explanation. Otherwise, he'd have to admit that what he said then, which is that masks for the general public don't really do very much, what he'd have to say then was true and, and deal with what he's been saying all along now, which is, would be untrue. No, he prefers the switch of, oh, I lied to you in the beginning. That's the official, that's not my interpretation. That's the official 
Fauci line. I said that something didn't work because I didn't want you to all go use it instead of the healthcare providers that I thought needed it more. So do you think it's a stretch at all, given that that is the on the record Fauci explanation that now he's telling people double mask even after you're vaccinated for any reason other than once people can start getting away with not wearing masks, people are going to stop wearing masks. They want control. They want everyone to do it. They want there to be no ability whatsoever to walk into a store or restaurant without wearing a mask. And more importantly, without mask shamers jumping all over you saying, even if you're vaccinated, you have to wear a mask like a bunch of lunatics that aren't very good at statistics. Uh, But at least Krispy Kreme is trying to do something nicer to get more people to get vaccinated. Starting today, guests who show a valid COVID-19 vaccination card at any Krispy Kreme shop in the U.S. can receive a free, iconic, original glazed donut anytime, any day, every day through the remainder of 2021. Get vaccinated. Get a Krispy Kreme glazed donut. Yummy. These things are quite good. I can't eat gluten anymore because I have celiac disease. But when I used to not have celiac disease, I would eat things like Krispy Kreme, probably too many of them. They are quite delicious. So if you're looking for yet another reason uh, to get the vaccine, Krispy Kreme is going to give you a sweet treat that comes in at a couple of hundred calories that, you know, worth it, I say. Remember when Joe Biden last week uh, had a little bit of a, a tough time with the stairs? Here's what the video of it looked like. Joe Biden was going up. Now, Joe Biden is an older fellow. He's almost 80. I mean, he's, he's really getting up there. So when he falls and then falls and then falls again. Now, look, it's senior citizen falling on the stairs is not, is not funny. It's, it's not something that, you know, but I, I know that people are all jumping on this. I, I want to point out that the reason I'm showing you this now is because when Donald Trump at West Point you know, had a little bit of unsteadiness going down a ramp. It was rampgate. It was Trump clearly has some, you know, malfunction in, in, a, in his pituitary gland or something or his amygdala or, you know, whatever. They make something up. Who cares? And so his brain doesn't work. So that's why he's falling down or he's senile or he can't, you know, they had all these stories about how Trump's health was clearly questionable because he slipped once walking down the stairs and they said it wasn't slick, even though he said it was slick. They made it a big, and I mean the New York Times. I mean the big newspapers and liberal, uh, liberal outlets made a, made a big deal of it. So when Joe Biden does this, we have to hold him to the same standard. And also Joe Biden has had senior moments, and he does seem to be uh, in, a, in a period of decline. In fact, it would be strange if a man approaching 80 wasn't slowing down. So we, we have to reorient our thinking here because the Democrats are so... Uh, so deeply entwined with this lie that it's easy to let the gaslighting overtake your ability to think about this on your own. The guy's almost 80. Of course, he's slowing down. Of course, that's happening. But then again, Pelosi's almost or, or Pelosi's almost 80 and Dianne Feinstein is way up there. You see some of these Democrats that are just clinging to power to the very, very end. It's a little gross, a little sad, a little weird, actually. Uh, and we had, oh, Jen Psaki responded, though, to stare gates. Play it. Just checking on the president. He uh, fell going up the steps to Air Force One on Friday. Is he doing okay? He's 100% fine. I don't know if you've been up those steps. They're a little tricky sometimes, but he's, <laughs> he's doing great. There we go. Look, I'm happy Joe Biden's doing fine. I, I, it's not funny watching an older person, older American you know, take, take a fall on the steps ever. But the standard for the media has been all along, 
that this is indicative of, uh, of when it's Trump, it's indicative of much broader problems. We have to talk about it. And they'll even, there was even a suggestion, a suggestion of, of a recklessness in voting for Trump because the guy's slipping down the stairs at West Point and what else do you have to know? And then Joe Biden you know, wipes out basically on the stairs at, at Air Force One and we can't talk about it. If you talk about it, you're a bad person. It's almost like you're engaged in some form of elder abuse. So as we continue to see this problem, this situation, the double standard is something that Democrats, they don't even fight against that as a name. They don't care. The double standard just means they have power. The double standard means that they get to do what they want and we get to deal with the consequences of it. So in a sense, they revel in it. They actually really enjoy focusing on their ability to treat their team, their people one way, and our people another. And that's going to continue, and we have to fight against it. And that is uh, it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.